0: Pump it up, India. Indiana County 911. My brother's gone. Can you be a little
1: more specific, sir? It's my brother. Who took him? I don't know. Who took him? I don't know what. Sir, sir. sir They've done. Take a breath. Explain to me what happened.
0: And I looked out and there was this big red blinking UFO. I can just say this. Something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. They're not dogs, they're not coyotes. What could it be, right? I had an encounter with a skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found this skull. Are right, you guys are gonna wanna come build this? Put him out, 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 put him out. I, I just say it. it, I just say it, I, I, I just see see it. It. Sightings
1: of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through
0: a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab and it came back as an unknown creature. encounters and boring. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the one. The only Shane Squatch.
1: And I'm Orin.
0: And he didn't use his fancy name again this time. Damn you, Orin.
1: I forgot to do it
0: again. <laughs> well, I, I keep forgetting what it is in the first place, if I'm being totally honest with you. Because you haven't said it, it's not stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm going to have to make like a name tag or something. UF Orin, that's it. Boom, UF Orin. <laughs> Orin the Martian, you have many names that you could potentially go by. Hey, I've been called way worse. It's all good. <laughs> so uh we have a really interesting topic today but of course we have to do our front of the house stuff but before that of course we have to do news and updates for anybody that may not have listened on the last five episodes so we have some exciting stuff coming up very very soon here and it's slowly leading up to it uh so i guess orin if you'd like you can kind of give them a roundabout view of uh, what we got going on soon
1: Absolutely. So if you guys have listened to the uh, past few episodes, you know that we are going to be doing our first speaking engagement. Uh, We're going to be talking at uh, Cryptid Halloween 2. It's going to be in Charlestown, West Virginia on October the 28th. And we're going to be talking about a really cool topic that's kind of uh, local to that area. And um, a big thanks to Dave, uh, also known as the Snarly
0: U, for uh, giving us this opportunity. And we're going to be doing a three-part show for anybody that's interested in that. Uh, the first presentation we're going to be doing is going to be on the fun topic that Oren was just referring to. Uh, the second one, we will be interviewing a couple different people who have dug into the whole wizard clip phenomenon that's going on in West Virginia. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then the third one will be an open forum where we can have everybody come up, share your stories, or if people aren't comfortable with sharing their stories, I'm actually gonna leave a notebook on our vending table. So if anybody wants to share their story, but they don't necessarily like feel comfortable talking in front of everybody, they can come down, they can write their whole story down, and then we can read it out loud. And you know, even if they don't want their names included, anything like that, there's a couple different options that we're gonna try to do for people so that everybody can get their stories included in that one. And uh, for anybody that might not be able to make it out to West Virginia, um, we are planning on doing a live feed for this stuff, and it will more than likely also get uploaded on YouTube if you guys aren't able to catch the actual live feed of it. And um, as far as the presentation that we're going to do, we're probably going to upload that onto YouTube with us presenting it, showing pictures and everything, but we probably will also do an episode covering it, so just another thing to look forward to. And then uh, as long as the free form, everything goes well with that, we're going to hopefully collect a decent chunk of people's stories. Um, For anybody that is interested in that, we'll probably be dropping that on Halloween as our Halloween bonus episode. So just another awesome thing to look forward to. Um, But yeah, we got a lot of exciting stuff going on. You're going to get a little bit of each style of podcasting that we do in a way, if you think about it, because you'll get the presentation style that we do, you'll get the interview style that we do, and then we'll do the... uh, you know, I guess kind of like the interview, like people sharing their encounters. So it's kind of a best taste of all different areas of podcasting that we cover with three different split hour, more than probably be about an hour for each one of those, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure Oren's looking forward to it. And, uh, another fun thing too, if you guys make it out and come and meet us, that'll also be the first time that Oren and I've gotten to meet each other in person. So, you know, you guys want to be involved in that. You guys want to come and meet us for the first time and also get to see us meet each other for the first time in person. So it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody. So hopefully I'll see you guys there. And if you guys are coming, let me know. I'd love to let I'd love to know you guys already by your name and by your face and make it so that, you know, I can point you out and be like, hey, man, how's it going? Come over and hang out with us. And then uh, maybe afterwards, maybe we if you're one of those listeners, that's a regular listener. Maybe we can all do something fun after, you know, maybe we can all go and get a bite to eat together or something like that. But you guys got to break the ice first or an allotment. There you go, sir, because you already know there will be allotments. Oren likes his allotments. I like my local drafts, so I'm sure that I'll probably try to find some type of local brewery that has their own particular drafts, and I'll be all over that shit.
1: (laughs) I'm sure we can sniff one
0: out. Oh, between the two of us, we'll we'll find one, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other fun allotments will be later on, but I don't know what the status of that is in that state, so you guys didn't hear anything. I don't know nothing about it. (laughs)
1: Keep that one on the DL for now.
0: <laughs> so, uh, with that, moving into the front of house stuff, Oren, I, I know that you are going to cover the first half of this.
1: Yep, as always, you guys know the drill. Reach out to us through social media. We're most active on Instagram. Reach out to us uh, through email bizarreencounters at outlook.com. Any suggestions for topics, guests, anything of that nature, or also if anybody wants to contribute to the show as far as a uh, partnership with products or anything like that, uh, any merch you guys got, uh, get up with us, and we are more than willing to work something out. So, and even- just another way that uh, people can get involved with the show.
0: And even if you're an artist and you just want to do some kind of doodle for us, we'd absolutely love that. Um, You know, we can repost it on the pages. We'd love to get some fan art included on the Instagram page. So if anybody's interested in doing stuff like that, I would love to see it. I'd love to check it out. Um, And it's very, it'd just be really cool to see somebody do some fan art honestly.
1: collabs.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, if you guys aren't already following us on social media, highly recommend that you do. We're all over the place. Instagram, we're the most active on. We're also on Facebook. We're on Telegram. We're on Discord. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. We're all over the place. Depending on what you guys are looking for, you guys can get updates and everything on the show as far as uh, regular social media goes. You guys can join some uh, awesome chat rooms and some awesome like-minded individuals if you guys check out the Telegram or the Discord. And if you guys want to just share clips of the show, see anything that we're doing in the future. Um, I should hopefully be uploading some squash hikes that I've done up onto the YouTube soon. Um, so the YouTube in the next coming months should be, have a lot more going on with it, YouTube and TikTok. So if you guys want to check that out, highly recommend that you guys at least go and give it a follow. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, a couple different ways to do so, you guys can become Awesome Patreon members such as Riley, Brandy, Brian, Floyd. We we got a lot of awesome people over there. And you guys know you want to hang out with them because there's some great people. And uh, with that, you'll get early access to episodes. You'll get lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, and exclusive merch store discounts. And uh, while we're also talking about the merch store, you guys can go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store, find some designs for this show, for inquiries, and for any new cryptid designs that end up dropping over there too. Um, I still need to add the squonk design that we did over there, so that should hopefully be on the page soon. But I'm actually planning on doing an all-out renewal of the merch store um, because it is under the increase of our reality for, you know, like the URL. So I want to change it to open minds media and I want to refresh it a bit, add some new designs and soon enough, the new increase design will be dropping. So I'm going to have to add that on there. So I'm going to just going to completely redo the merch store to be honest with you guys. So, uh, you know, w- when that comes out, I'll let you guys all know, but until then, obviously the current merch store is completely still active. So you guys can go and pick some stuff up. And if you guys become Patreon members, like I said, you'll get, a uh, exclusive merch store discounts always worth checking out Uh, a lot of people like our stay bizarre design so you guys can go and pick that up for yourselves and if you guys pick up any of our merch it'd be really cool if you guys wouldn't mind sending us a picture of you guys wearing it because we'd love to repost it on the page and show that there's love and support out there And then uh, the third way you guys can support the show is through uh, donations through Red Circle, which is our SS host. Uh, Any of that goes back towards the show. It's going to go towards us getting out to West Virginia, us being able to do other conventions in the future. And we're just going to kind of stockpile it over there and make sure that we keep all of that for doing anything that the show needs. So if you guys want to contribute, we more than appreciate it. But if you guys aren't able to do any of those, if you guys are able to share the show uh, through word of mouth, the clips from youtube or anything particular episodes uh get involved with the show let us know what you guys think about the show just even a simple message letting us know what you guys think uh joining our telegram our discord and just getting active and involved with the show is more than appreciated you guys don't have to support the show financially in any way shape or form um anything you guys can do in any way to support the show is more than appreciated and i know i've said this on a few shows but Obviously, we're not going anywhere, but just in general, uh, support any podcast that you guys enjoy because just a simple message saying, hey, guys, I love your show. Uh, you guys do a wonderful job covering topics. Just something simple like that could be the saving grace for a lot of shows because just in the time that I've been around, I've seen a lot of shows come and go. And you know, we see the numbers, but we don't necessarily know how people feel about stuff. So just sending us a simple message. It, it, it means the world to us. So don't forget to do that for not just this show, but any podcast that you guys enjoy.
1: And if y'all are looking for other stuff to support, always check out uh, Joe at Crypto Teology. He's killing it with his cryptid and alien and all sorts of weird shit uh, designs over there. Uh, super cool stuff. I'm looking forward to meeting him in West Virginia as well. So, uh, yeah, y'all definitely check that out. And as always, all this shit is
0: mentioned in the link tree in the show description. And just a little bonus because I saw him drop these designs and it fits perfectly with uh, what we we're talking about at the event we're doing. Uh, Joe over at Crypto Theology just recently dropped a new Snarly U design and it's pretty damn sweet. So I highly recommend going and checking that out, guys, if you haven't already. And he dropped a new Jersey Devil design. And that one's pretty damn sweet, too. <laughs> but uh, with that, of course, today we are covering one of my favorite abduction stories. I actually have a couple figures of this in the studio and I was actually planning on putting this one together at some point but Oren beat me to the punch because Oren is great at doing these he's great at putting stuff together and I can't say this enough I love having him involved with the show and sometimes I feel bad that I don't produce as many scripts as him but he does a really good job at it and uh like the good old uh Alan Greenfield said you know I'm the engineer (laughs) (laughs) so with that I guess I will pass it over to Oren to cover one of the most fascinating ufo abduction stories that i've ever come across
1: yeah so i mean it just so happened that uh i did this one. i didn't know it was one of your favorite ones while i was working on it um it's one that i've been interested in doing for a while and just kind of pulled the trigger on it so anyway today we are going to talk about the pascagoula mississippi alien abduction case so this is kind of one of the most famous alien abduction cases i'd say And uh, it occurred in 1973 in Pascagoula, Mississippi. So uh, Charles Hickson, who was uh, 42 years old at the time, and Calvin Parker, who was 19 at the time, they worked together at a shipyard in Pascagoula. And on October the 11th of 1973, uh, the two of them decided to go fishing after work. And they went fishing near this old iron pier that was located uh, like on the west bank of the Pascagoula River.
0: Not going to lie, every time I go fishing, ever since I've heard this, I kind of hope one day maybe I'll see an alien or a Sasquatch. Because everybody has these stories where they're fishing and they see like a Sasquatch on the other side of the river or some kind of weird abduction or UFO flies over. And unfortunately... I haven't had any of these events happen, but it's in the back of my mind anytime yeah, I go fishing yeah, I about how often this yet. does happen <laughs> yet. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's because water are liminal spaces,
0: you know? So, Hey, maybe I'll get lucky in West Virginia because I'm already planning on bringing the rod and reel. You know how that goes. Any, if you're a fisherman, man, anytime you go anywhere, if you don't bring your rod, it's going to be one of those situations like, damn, I wish I could fish there. Damn, I wish I could fish there. So, I mean, that's just good
1: life advice. Always bring your rod, right?
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> You know, what's funny is I went camping last weekend and I brought my rod because I was like, I am not going to miss out on an opportunity this time. And there was no water. And I was just like, damn, the one time I actually bring my rod, there's nowhere to fish.
1: (laughs) Better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it
0: or whatever that saying is. Ain't that the truth. But hopefully that's not the case for West Virginia.
1: (laughs) So uh, as we were saying, um, Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson, they're out fishing off of this uh, old iron pier. And while they were fishing, they saw two flashing blue lights over the water. And then they started to hear this, like, vibrating or whizzing sound. And then the two blue lights morphed into a 30 to 40 foot long oval
0: ship. Doesn't this fit my theories that I've been talking about for a while with the vibration thing? Vibration, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was thinking that while I was putting the notes together. I guess I could throw this one out for anybody that might not be familiar with the idea that I've talked about, but it's pretty much that these things, you hear about UFOs being able to pass through solid objects And I think it's a matter of vibration because down to a microscopic level, there's tiny little particles that make up everything. So theoretically, everything within this reality is vibrating at a certain frequency. And that's why the particles, they hit each other. It's like two solid objects. But if you're able to vibrate at a completely different rate than what this reality vibrates at, then you should theoretically be able to pass through on a microscopic level where the particles aren't colliding you can have two solid objects essentially pass through each other. And that also would consider the fact that these things are coming from another reality or another dimension where everything does vibrate differently. And that could also bring in the whole idea with uh, the two lights and this thing morphing into another object is that kind of scenario where I know everybody's kind of heard this, but when you're underneath the water and you see a ball, it just looks like a circle, but you're not actually seeing the full shape of it. But then once it comes into the water, then you're able to see the full shape of it. And I think that that's kind of the idea that's happening with this is that when it's coming into something you're only seeing part of it until it actually fully submerges itself into this reality theoretically but that's that's kind of a quick rundown of the kind of theory that i've been talking about on it is being able to essentially vibrate at a different rate than this reality so you can pass through th- objects in this reality
1: and if you'll remember when we did our uh, episode on the withville virginia ufo flap a big thing in that was these crafts that were seeing or these lights whatever you want to call it that were kind of um you know separating coming back together so kind of another, you know, not synchronicity, but um, something similar in this case to something else we've talked about on the show.
0: Kind of entertains the theory more that these extraterrestrial beings aren't necessarily extraterrestrial, but rather extra-dimensional. Yes, or ultra-terrestrials, whatever you want to call them. I've been going with extra-dimensional just because I haven't heard anybody else say that, and I I just wanted to coin a phrase, so...
1: (laughs) Go ahead and get that patented. (laughs) Patent pending. So, uh, anyway, this... uh, 30 to 40 foot long oval ship that these guys saw. It landed on the ground uh, near where they were fishing. And at this time, uh, they became paralyzed, but they were still conscious. And they saw a door open up on the ship and three five foot tall creatures emerged. Uh, The creatures appeared to be like very robotic and they had round heads, no necks. And uh, this is kind of odd, I thought. uh, Their legs seemed to be like fused together and like they couldn't move their legs. They like floated or hovered, um, which I thought was just like a weird kind of detail because we also talked about in, you know, like the Hopkinsville goblins case, how people said that they floated through the woods or whatever. So here we've got another similarity with another, you know, alien high
0: strangeness case of these things floating. I mean, theoretically, if these things are coming from another dimension, and they are vibrating at a different frequency than this dimension. I mean, they may be able to make their ship vibrate at the same theoretical frequency as our reality, but maybe they can't physically make themselves do it unless they are inside of some type of vessel. So if you're vibrating, when, when things happen with vibration, it ends up looking like it's floating because it's vibrating at a certain speed. So I mean, I kind of feel like maybe that's somewhat of a possibility is that when they're not inside of the ship, they're still vibrating at their realities? frequency so maybe that makes it so that to us it appears that they're floating because they're vibrating different than the particles that are existing around them just just the theory
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh, but they also said that these creatures had quote robotic slit mouths and crab like pinchers um, and in some retellings of the story the creatures were also said to have wrinkled gray skin and objects protruding from their heads that appeared to kind of be like, um, ears and a nose, but kind of the, the more, uh, robotic type description, it sounds to me a lot like Flatwoods monster description. So, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of an odd correlation as well, you know, um, you know, the, with the Flatwoods monster, kind of like the dress apparatus that this thing was wearing, you know, it's not a perfect one-to-one, uh, analogy of course, but I mean, it, it, it was close enough that it kind of, you know, raised flags in my head when i was doing this research and reading through it.
0: i have a theory. maybe these things because it seems like a lot of these ufo abduction cases, these things look like they're very metallicy or they're some type of like robotic, but they're not well, even they're, in
1: flatwoods, you know, they said that they
0: had like a metallic type skin or not flatwoods, oh, hopkinsville. yeah. yeah. so yeah. like my theory on it is either one there's a couple different ways angles you can look at this from. Either one, maybe these are theoretically spacesuits, and that's why all of these different uh, encounters are also different. It's because maybe some of these are the same species. They're just different forms of suits, just like how people would theoretically have different types of clothing. Um, another option that kind of goes into somewhat of what Daryl Sims likes to say um, is that maybe these things are actually drones, not actually the physical consciousness of them. Because a lot of these um, abduction cases where they were talking about the metallicy suits seem to be around like the '60s, '70s. So now maybe they've upgraded to organic drones, essentially, and they're using like organic alien drones, and they're not actually physically here, but maybe projecting their consciousness or controlling them from somewhere else. But maybe back then you know, obviously still way more advanced than us, but maybe they're actually using robotics at that time in order to make these like drones in order to go places. Cause I've said this a million times on the show. Once your culture gets advanced enough to be able to produce things like this, there's no real reason for you to physically go to places. Like as far as like war goes now, for example, like if we can cover the entire battlefield on drones, like every, every army would do that. They don't want to have to send their men out if they don't have to. So if you're going to go to an alien planet alien you know to them like us being the aliens then it wouldn't be safe to physically go there it would make more sense to have some type of like drone that you control that goes there so that if anything goes south you know you're still alive at that point (laughs) or if for whatever reason you can't even breathe in that atmosphere you're not dead
1: (laughs) yeah and even as you know infantile as humans are in you know space exploration
0: we still sent monkeys and dogs into space. So it's kind of the same idea, you know? Mm-hmm. But, or, or like I said, maybe they're all just spacesuits. That's also a completely viable option also. Yeah, absolutely. Because you even have Sam the Sandown Clown, but that one is a little bit different because it was definitely some type of built thing, but it was described more as like wood. Like the the clown costume, whatever, it, it was made out of wood and then the actual like structure that he came from that people theorized was a UFO was metallic. But... I mean, my theory, I think I've said it a few times on this show, um, maybe wood is something close to what they would already use or the closest thing that they have on this planet. So maybe theoretically, if, uh, you know, their their suit got damaged, the closest thing that they could make something that would maybe be close to the materials that they use as wood. And maybe that's why there's a handful, not very many, but a handful of UFO abduction cases where people describe the beings as being almost wooden.
1: Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit on our uh, recent Integratron episode. So everybody go check that one out if you haven't listened to it. I thought that was a really good episode. So lots of out there thoughts and theories in on that one. Hey, that's what we do around here. We're the most
0: bizarre show on the internet. We got to stay to that title.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've heard. But anyway, so jumping back into the notes, uh, these creatures uh, then proceeded to float towards Hickson and Parker. And one of the creatures grabbed Parker with their claws and the other two grabbed Hickson. And so Hickson and Parker were then taken aboard the creature's ship and they were put into separate examination
0: rooms. Not to sidetrack, but I also want to throw in that the Peruvian face peelers, also metallic-y and floating. I just thought about that when you said that. I had to throw that extra one one in. That's
1: a good one. (laughs) Uh, So while Hickson was in his examination room, He said that a, quote, mechanical eye emerged from the wall and the two creatures used it to examine him. However, Parker said that he was strapped to a table and was then approached by a female alien who seemed to be kind of in charge of the two smaller creatures that had abducted him. And he said that he felt that the female alien was evil and malevolent and intended to kill him. And I think this whole passage, there's a couple similarities. The first one is the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, you know, where, like, Betty and Barney had very different experiences with their abduction. Like, Betty's, you know, not saying it wasn't traumatic, but uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know the details of that case. Barney's was a lot worse. And, you know, that's kind of like one of the guys had a not so bad examination, abduction situation, and the other guy had a much more traumatic one. So that was the first thing I noticed. The second one is um, for anybody who's read uh, Whitley Stryber's uh, communion book, this like female alien figure being in charge of these smaller figures that are, you know, kind of doing an examination on somebody, that's basically in that book as well.
0: So, um, do you think it's a comfort you know, factor that maybe like anybody that's, sees what a, he was saying in the book? Yeah. The would see like a woman or a feminine being as mm-hmm. being less intimidating. So maybe it's like a intentional thing that, you know, even, even when you're dealing with animals, theoretically, I feel like, you know, if you're dealing with an aggressive animal and you have like a woman's voice talking calm versus a man's voice talking calm, one is a lot less threatening. So maybe that's the intention behind it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, even though, you know, Calvin Parker said that he thought this was an evil force that. You know was trying to kill him still the the broad strokes of the description are like really similar
0: to uh the communion story so uh definitely you guys should check that out too um maybe that's two things know, we can cover in future episodes, just throwing ideas on the table. I know everybody's kind of covered Betty and Barney Hill, but you know maybe we have some different theories and ideas yeah, that we can do on a
1: lot we can add to that one but uh and then even know, the communion, communion thing, we can cover know, you know people's mileage varies on that one but i think it's at least an interesting read and there's you know there's some cool stuff about like fairies and whatnot in there so um definitely worth reading if you guys haven't i
0: think and then you guys get to see christopher walk Walken play the uh play him in the movie too so there you go yeah
1: that's never a bad
0: thing. <laughs> something to look forward to you guys can read the book and then watch the movie then you guys can compare them and even if you don't like it you can at least get to watch christopher Walken do his thing <laughs>
1: The yeah, National Treasure.
0: One of the best parts in that movie is the part where he's sitting there dancing with the aliens. Do you remember that? I actually haven't seen the movie. (laughs) It's great, dude. It's just Christopher Walken's being Christopher Walken. He's just dancing with the aliens.
1: (laughs) So he's not even acting.
0: He's being himself. I think he's one of those people, like a lot of actors, that there's certain ones that they do the method actor thing and they like become that character. And then there's the other set of actors that just are a personality and they're just just like, this would be perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. He's definitely one of those ones. I feel like most movies he does, just like Bill Murray, probably aren't scripted because they're just really good at just talking into nothing
1: (laughs) as christopher walken perfect yep so anyway after this abduction event uh when hickson and parker got back to their car uh the craft was of course no longer inside it had disappeared but the window of their car was shattered and there was a large scratch on one of the doors and i don't really know where to put that in the scheme of things but it seemed like a really odd specific details i don't know if you have any thoughts about that shane and just come across that in your uh research of this case
0: i mean depending on how long they were gone for the only theory that i could possibly think of on the damage of the car possibly well there's actually i got a couple different possible theories um one if they were gone for a while and it was one of those things where like you know they drop them back in Maybe the intention was that they took the car with them also, just so that people wouldn't be looking in that area for them, maybe. And then the other option is plain and simple. Maybe it was just, you know, forces of nature. Maybe, you know, you know, if they were parked somewhere near the woods, maybe like, you know, a deer or something ran into their car or a log or, or not a log, but maybe like a branch or something fell in the car. But I mean, that's the most logical theory. But the other theory is maybe they took the truck with them um, because they didn't want Anybody to know the location of where these people got abducted from while they were doing their thing? I don't know.
1: Well, and another theory, kind of piggybacking off of your, you know, natural causes idea. Um, just from my research, it seemed like this probably wasn't like the best area of town. It seemed like it was kind of run down, and something I came across even said how there was like a bunch of like trash and old appliances and shit like strewn all over the place. So maybe it was just a bad area of town, and some punk kids. Threw
0: rocks through the window. I mean, I mean, it that's be I, as simple as that, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a good theory. Even if it was sitting there for a while and teenagers are just doing the teenager thing, walking mm-hmm. through the woods, messing around. If they just saw a car that looked like it was sitting there for a minute, you know, most most teenagers Throwing that rocks. are just doing young and dumb shit, you know, fuck up the car for fun and then run away giggling, you know. I
1: mean, what else did they have to do in 1973 but throw rocks at cars and listen to Leonard Skinner so. and fish? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Off of old, rusty iron piers.
0: Watch out for tetanus.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Hickson and Parker, they initially decided not to tell anyone about this abduction experience that they had, uh, obviously for fear of ridicule. The same thing that you know everybody says when they don't want to tell their story. But they later decided that they needed to report this. So they went to the uh, Jackson County Sheriff's Office, and the sheriff listened to their story, but he was obviously skeptical of this whole thing. So the sheriff put Hickson and Parker together alone in a room and then he secretly recorded them, which is probably illegal on various
0: levels. I mean I mean uh, laws could have been different back then though. Recording people without their consent against their will, whatever. But I mean it may have been a lot different back then though, because recording devices weren't as Publicly accessible as they are now we're like, you know, you had to invest some money by like the full setup and all that there wasn't just like oh I have a recording device in my pocket. So considering that it wasn't as public where everybody had some type of recording device with them all the time, I feel like there was a lot less standards as far as, like, recording rights and all that kind of stuff went. So, I mean, maybe it was completely legal back in the time. And I feel like even no, now, I'm sure though... i there wasn't a law against it at that point, you know? I mean, I'm kind of curious now, still. Like, if you're a police officer and you're doing an interrogation, um, maybe that's, you know, you're kind of your rights kind of get thrown out the window for a little bit at that time anyways, um, depending on the rights. So, I mean, like... I feel like part of being interrogated, I feel like they do record it anyways. And that's, yeah, yeah. it's probably not illegal. It's probably just somewhere, something written in there that the only time you're allowed to record somebody when they're not aware of it is if it's like during an interrogation or something like that. Because if that was the case, then you wouldn't be able to wear a wire because they wouldn't be able to use it as tangible evidence. So there, there's got to be some type of different variation for if you're like using it for like police reasons or something.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, basically this guy was just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. You know, so after he listened to the recording of these guys, he kind of changed his mind uh, just because of like the state of fear these guys were in when they were talking about this. Like, And obviously that, you know, they were alone in the room. They didn't know they were being recorded. So it's not like they were putting on a show. So this basically made the sheriff think that, you know, something happened to these guys while they were out there. Um, And kind of another strange thing that happened around this time is uh, they both had kind of strange puncture wounds um, on their left arms. And they were like three little puncture marks that appeared to have been caused by a needle-like device, which this is kind of standard stuff for UFO abductions.
0: I wonder if they had an implant put in somewhere and they weren't even aware of it.
1: Yeah, I didn't come across anything about implants, but yeah, I mean, puncture wounds, you know, it seems like the kind of triangle three marks thing, that's pretty similar across the board for a lot of, excuse me, abduction cases.
0: Dude, wouldn't it be crazy to think about the fact that there's probably a really good chance that they had an implant in them. They probably went their whole life and never even realized there was an implant because they had no reason to think that there was one because this wasn't in the forefront of knowledge at the time that when people get abducted, that people put implants in it. This was like just when this stuff was starting off. So nobody already like yeah, publicly knew that at was the 73,
1: time. So, I mean, this wasn't that long after like the Betty and Barney Hill thing, you know?
0: And that's only, even at that time, it was only the people that are interested in it that even knew about that. That wasn't, I'm sure like something that everybody knew about. Even now you talk about Benny and Marty Hill and unless people are into this stuff and into the community, like people don't just know this kind of stuff. Even aliens in general. Now you talk about implants, like, you know maybe from sci-fi movies people might understand that concept now but back in the day like i said it wasn't as much in the forefront so people would have no idea that implants were a thing back then
1: unless yeah, they knew about the topic already yeah there wasn't the you know the pool of information for people to pull from at that point
0: speaking of that too can you imagine dude having this experience happen to you and not being able to tell anybody like you don't have the internet that you can go and like tell somebody and hide behind something like these guys were I'm assuming just some standard everyday blue collar type guys. And it's like, yeah, working at the shipyard in you know, Mississippi, you know, so. like you, like who would you, tell ta- the only people they could talk to is each other back and forth. And I mean, that might even bring up trauma or they might not even want to talk about it.
1: Well, I think that was kind of the thing, you know, like they, like I said, initially plan not to report this, but I think they were just like, so fucking wrecked by this situation. They eventually changed their minds and decided to go to the police just, for their
0: own, you know, mental well-being. I'm assuming they're probably hoping that somebody would come out of the woodwork and say that they had the same experience. I mean, that, I think... Well, we might touch on that a little bit later in the notes. You know how I do that. I always I always got to bring stuff ahead. up before you get to it.
1: <laughs> but, uh, so kind of in addition to uh, these puncture marks, uh, they also said that these guys, uh, their eyes were kind of like dilated and it appeared that there had been some kind of effect from you know, the light from the UFO or whatever uh, had on these guys' eyes. So it wasn't like, you know, the typical eye burn that we hear a lot in UFO cases, but uh, just another cool thing that I thought kind of ticked another box as far as, like, UFO and alien stories go. Um,
0: I wonder if part of that was the fact that they had the whole, like, paralyzed moment and i feel like if you're paralyzed just like imagine that happening and just like how wide your eyes would be while thinking about it so in turn you're probably even more dilated because you're looking at a bright light while you're absolutely fucking shocked by what's happening in the first place
1: (laughs) yeah and you know theoretically god knows what happened to these guys while they were you know allegedly in the ufo or
0: whatever it was Dude, there could even be screen memories involved in this and nobody would nobody would ever know or be aware of it because again there was no context to try to compare this to I almost wonder if a lot of the reason why maybe a lot of these aliens look so damn different is because maybe they are, a lot of them are the same species and they just put in screen memories, like layers of screen memories so that they're people, they just confuse people and they don't know what to think in the first place but the first layer of screen memory is that they take their image and replace it with a totally out there ridiculous alien image and then they add more screen layers on top of that but I feel like the first thing that you'd want to do is hide your appearance that'd be the first thing you'd want to bury so like you know rather than covering it with like an owl or something like that you just look for the most ridiculous possible image of something you could possibly create to try to make it so that if anybody tries to retell the story like everybody's like what the fuck are you talking about floating silver creatures with spikes on their head like what what the fuck are you talking about dude
1: (laughs) well we might maybe dabble dip our toes into that a little bit later so uh like i like to say keep that one in the chamber for later but um, cocked and ready sir like i was saying so uh several other ufo sightings were reported to the sheriff's office on that same night and a lot of the people you know described a very similar craft to what hickson and Parker said they saw, so um there you go, kind of just jumping back to what you were talking about earlier,
0: but unfortunately, it seems that nobody else was abducted well, th- it's that unfortunate we for of. them comparing, but not unfortunate for the people that didn't get abducted. That's probably the best That's possible scenario for that them
1: we know of.
0: <laughs> that we know of or that has ever told the story, and the problem is anybody see when, when did this happen early seventies so seventy three
1: either and so, like one of the guys was. 42 at the time so yeah he's passed yeah at this point the other guy was 19 so he was like really young when this happened so you know unless you were young when this happened and you know when ufos have become more of a talking point not so ridiculed you know that there could have been people who had similar experiences they just never came out with it you know
0: Yeah, they probably at least be, you know, late 60s, 70s if they're on the young side. And if they're on the older side, they could theoretically already have passed away by now. And there could be even more abduction stories from these things that will never get known.
1: Yep, absolutely. But uh, so in 1993, Calvin Parker underwent regression therapy. And the regression was administered by a kind of famous author and ufologist, named Bud Hopkins, and that's not to be confused with Charles Hopkins, who is the other guy that got abducted, so kind of confusing. But we got two Hopkins we're talking about here. So uh, Bud Hopkins wrote several books on the abduction phenomenon, including Intruders, Witnessed, and Missing Time. And through this regression therapy, several more details about this case kind of were uncovered. And I've actually got a book that has a transcript of some of these um, regression therapy sessions. And, and Shane, if you'd like me to kind of read
0: some of these, I'd be glad to do that. Absolutely, fucking Nothing better when it comes to UFO cases or cryptid encounters than the actual solid words coming from the person themselves.
1: Okay, so this is uh, like four pages worth of text in this book, so I'm... Gonna try my best to jump around and not, you know, just read four pages straight. So uh, bear with me a little bit, but uh, we'll jump right into this. And uh,
0: it's some juicy what, information, uh, so they can deal with it.
1: is <laughs> yeah, what Mister Parker had to say. So uh, when uh, Bud Hopkins, the guy who was performing the uh, regression, uh, was asking his questions, um, Parker first described the alien creature's eyes, and he said, "Quote: There's a glass light." And it looks like two marbles, two blue marbles behind the glass light. The marbles are sitting way back as though you were looking at a straight, looking at a stage, excuse me. And it's a black background with two marbles sitting there. So this kind of gets back to, you know, the whole idea of the grays having like, you know, black oily eyes and even, you know, Hopkinsville goblins again. That's a, a typical thing that's said of them, these black oily eyes so that was something i thought was kind of interesting
0: just a the theory on that black eyes completely black with no pupils what if the eye itself is the pupil because if they're coming from space or from wherever maybe their planet or wherever they come from is really dark and they don't ha- actually have solid black eyes but rather it's a giant pupil so that they can take in light and essentially see in the dark
1: yeah i think that like it's Really back to just light spectrum shit at that point, you know, how we know we can only see a very small percentage of the light spectrum, who knows what percentage these things can see.
0: And I mean, the bigger the eyes, the more light it can take in, so the better they can theoretically see in the dark, too.
1: In space or another dimension or underground, if
0: you will. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in a future episode. That's some of my research I've been doing, guys.
1: That's a teaser, guys. <laughs> So anyway, then uh, Hopkins asked, how far away is the alien? And Parker said, well, right in my face. And then I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. And he says, "Uh, my feelings are coming back to my body, but I cannot move. It's cold and there's an electricity. You can feel it coming through your body, but it don't hurt or anything. Some kind of little ball is dancing around. I'm being pulled now, being pulled and I hear a noise, a loud noise. It sounds like an air release. And I'm pulled and turned around. It's like a magnet was pulling me. I went through a a wide doorway. I'm not afraid anymore. I don't know what's pulling me, and I'm being strapped down. I'm strapped to a table, big black straps. There's one around my legs, my arms, across my stomach. Then I'm left alone. Now I'm afraid. Lord, just let me die, because I know this is going to be a terrible death. There's no need to go through a lot of pain. I don't like pain. And then I hear a noise, and the doctor opened, and then a sense of peace came all over me. I'm not able to move anymore. For some reason, I can't move in any direction. I just lay with my head forward. Boy, this bitch is ugly. And this is the part I thought was interesting.
0: I like the boy, this bitch is ugly.
1: (laughs) The part that's coming. So he says, boy, this bitch is ugly, talking about like the female alien presence. He says, and I remember seeing a mask. She's wearing a mask which I thought was like just really odd verbiage and an odd way to describe this and just a crazy little detail to throw in there. But uh, I've got it highlighted here in my book. I thought it was so weird.
0: Dude, I have some theories on this and I actually covered this on a Benny and Barty Hill episode that I did a while ago. But my, I had a theory on this that at least some of these UFO abduction cases that were happening around like the f- 60s, 70s, it was around the same time that they were working on all the MK Ultra and like the psychedelic drug LSD experiments. So I've wondered if some of these alien abductions aren't actually aliens abducting people, but rather people from the government giving high doses of some type of sil- of a psychedelic drug, such as LSD, for example, and then basically wearing masks, things like that, so that the people perceive them as aliens because they're under the influence of a psychedelic drug. And then in turn, they're able to run whatever weird experiments that they want to do on people and have no... No connection to them doing it because the person's going to be telling stories of an alien, not realizing that it's actually a person wearing a mask pretending to be an alien.
1: Well, and that kind of gets back to shit we talked about uh, about the Collins Elite in our Jack Parsons series, part three. You know, so yeah, I think you're spot on. I think there's definitely things like that going on.
0: Dude, I had a buzzer go off my head as soon as you said mask because I've heard this a handful of times with UFO abduction cases. So I thoroughly believe that there is a really good chunk of UFO abduction cases that are actually people doing it – well, government officials doing it to people mm-hmm. using psychedelic drugs to yep, mess with their absolutely. perception of reality. And, you know,
1: the idea that this like buzzing or humming sound that people report is what could also theoretically be putting these people in that state.
0: Also, too, just got to throw this in there. Um, for anybody that hasn't experienced psychedelic drugs, uh, when you are coming up on psychedelic drugs, you feel like your body's vibrating and you do feel like this weird vibration. So that is actually part of coming up on psychedelic drugs.
1: Yeah, and so I just thought, you know, when you were talking earlier about, like, you know, what these things are going to show themselves as, I knew, you know, we were
0: going to talk about this mask comment later. So I couldn't wait to get to that one. Dude, that, that again, that, that just brings in so much other cases for me i've just connected that now with like 10 other cases
1: yeah yeah so we got a, a few more little nuggets in here but that was my favorite one but um anyway so then hopkins asked uh, mr parker he said uh, what do you say to her and parker said who are you she stuck her finger in my nose she's got an attitude though a bad attitude Just as soon as I get loose, I'm fixing to twist her head off. So the whole sticking her finger in her nose thing—I thought that was kind of an odd detail, but that could be just like his misconception of some sort of medical examination or something that was going on. You know,
0: I mean, theoretically, if they actually were aliens, maybe um, you know, this—maybe this particular group may not be familiar with how humans uh, communicate. And maybe she thought that she was putting her finger over the thing that he talked out of just, just the theory
1: <laughs> possible. Um, so this, I think is kind of interesting too. Hopkins said, who do you think she is? And Parker replied, I've seen her before. I really hate her. I hate her. And in the book, it says at this point in the regression analysis, um, uh, Parker kind of went back in time to age six when he saw this creature for the first time. And unfortunately, the book doesn't list, you know, just the the verbatim account of that, which I wish it would because I thought that was super interesting. But uh, again, that's another parallel with communion. Uh, you know, Whitley thought he saw these creatures, you know, years and years ago when he was a child after he was regressed.
0: What if that's a like a like a experiment on their behalf trying to test out screen memories to see where they can if they can place them farther back than they could because maybe at this time, it seems like there's a science now to the whole concept of screen memories. But maybe back then they were just trying to figure out how to do screen memories and how far back you can go with them. So maybe that was just like an extra little bonus experiment. Same with communion that they uh, were just seeing how far back they could put a screen memory in somebody's memory.
1: Yeah, definitely possible. Uh, So we're going to skip ahead a little bit, kind of toward the end of the regression. So Parker says, it was all over. And then he says, "Uh, even at the bottom of my fingers, I felt like they just exploded. She's leaving now. I'm able to move. I start to feel a little bit better. It hurts still. Oh boy, does it hurt bad. I'm able to get up now, and I look at the table, but it's not a table. I don't know what it is. It's clear. It's clear. All the way, but it's not glass. I put my shoes on, and I pull up my pants. That was another odd detail that I thought. I I highlighted that one, too. So, like, you've just been abducted and, you know, examined and God knows what, but you're sure to put in there that you put your shoes back on and pulled up your pants? That just seemed like another kind of random detail to me.
0: Yeah, that does seem a little weird. That kind of, again, kind of gears me back towards the whole, like, being under the influence of some type of psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to make another comment on the seeing these things in a past moment in life. Um, So getting into my weird theory about the whole idea of like perception that these things, these beings, they could possibly um, make you perceive what they want you to perceive. So that could even go into another means of they could be right in front of you and they want you to perceive that nothing's there in the first place. But maybe after you physically see these things form then all of a sudden you have this weird thing that snaps into your brain where you're like, wait, I have seen these things before. And the fact that they were blocking your perception before gets knocked out. And then you do have the memory of them saying they're watching you. But at that time you didn't see them because they were changing your reality so that you didn't see them. But after you see them, then it kickstarts something in your brain and then it gets rid of their change of your perception yeah, where now you do mm-hmm. see them in the past.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but almost like a recovered memory kind of
0: yeah unintentionally just from seeing their image because if you never saw their image you would or have never true connected image it or yeah but if you see their it. image it reconnects it you know
1: yeah uh so then calvin parker said i'm looking around i'm looking at the ceiling i'm looking at the floor and i'm looking around for a door to get out i see me in the mirror i have a real strange feeling that i'm being watched she's coming back in the room the door opens and i can leave She walked in, and I grabbed her. I got her around her skinny-ass neck, little neck, and now I'm choking her right now. And I'm beating her head against the mirror, and there's some kind of black stuff coming out. And then through the door, the thing comes that brought me in, and I felt the stinging again. So I thought this was odd, too. Like, in all the abduction cases I've looked at and studied and read— I've never seen one or heard one where somebody, like, actually attacked the alien.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could have been something, too. If they were doing a regression, maybe it was something that they were thinking at the time, but it didn't actually, like, happen, but it's still a recovered memory because it's a memory they had because it was something they were thinking at the time of the experience happening. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because assumably so, any alien that beat that does experiments on you, you're gonna have some type of negative thoughts about basically beating the shit out of them. And if you're yeah, having them yeah, while you're absolutely. in the situation, again, it could just be part of the memory that gets pulled with this, with you know, the regression.
1: Yeah. Uh, so then Hopkins asked him to describe the creature in more detail, and Parker said, "She's got ears. It, referring to the black stuff, is coming from her ears." I'm paralyzed again, and she gets up, and she is pissed. Oh, she's mad, she's hurt, she's hurt bad. I sit there staring at her. I couldn't even blink my eyes, some kind of light, a strong white light, and then she just talked to me, but she wasn't moving her mouth, but she was talking to me. She's pulling thoughts out of my head, everything that I know, and she's pulling thoughts out, and then she tells me, you're not gonna be in any danger to us, And I remember thinking, who is us? I can see the destruction. I'm able to see things that I've never seen before. So I think, you know, there's a couple things to unpack here. First off, uh, you know, these accounts of extraterrestrial entities like telepathically communicating with people or beaming thoughts into their head. That's number one. We see that pop up here. And then number two, basically this guy was being downloaded information. He says, I can see destruction. I'm able to see things I've never seen before. And that gets back to a lot of people who have had, you know, abduction situations talking about that they were shown some kind of apocalyptic doomsday scenario,
0: you know? Dude, this also reminds me of something that I've seen in a few sci-fi movies, Um, not to necessarily connect it to like real life or anything, but this whole idea about like, telepathic warfare for like a better better term but so you get into somebody's head right and you're inside of their head and they can do whatever they want inside of their head but it's not actually affecting you physically you know so maybe the intention was that they were this female creature was inside of his head made him believe that he was beating the shit out of it. So he felt powerful at that moment in the world. And then she was able to let his guard down so that she could pull the memories out that she needed to, but she was never physically in front of him having this happen, but it was rather like a battle that was happening telepathically inside of his head because she was inside of his head, but he couldn't actually hurt her because it wasn't her physical form in his head, but rather like a projected image type of thing. Like we are talking about.
1: Yeah. And I mean, let's just look at this kind of objectively if these creatures entities whatever you wanted to call them possess this level of technology you probably wouldn't be able to just you know grab them around the neck and beat their head against a mirror like this guy said he did
0: (laughs) yeah i think it's something like intentional like there's something to it more so than like face value to it like i said the whole they obviously communicate telepathically so i mean like the whole projected idea of making him think he did that may have been a good way again to like let his guard down and make him feel powerful for a minute so that she could scoop all the things that she needed out of his head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's a good point. So I uh, kind of uh, finishing up the regression notes. Um, so Hopkins then asked Parker what he was seeing and he said, another light shines on me and it's beautiful. And she's afraid of this light. She's turning her head now. She's getting back into the corner and trying to get at the door, and and through this light I can see things, current things, the past, and I know things that I've never known. So this kind of sounds to me like a lot of descriptions that people have of like seeing portals or whatever. You know, they can see through the portal and see things in another time dimension, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just something that kind of popped into my head when I was reading this. And then he says, it's like sitting back and watching a movie and being able to see into the future through this light. He then says that the alien woman leaves the room. He says, I felt brave. I'm bleeding. I've bled so much. I'm hurting my ribs. They feel like they've been broken, and I feel violated. I feel at peace now. I feel it's over now. And then they escort me out the door, the same one that brought me in, and I'm back into this little ball and I'm being carried back out. And I can see Charlie standing on the pier as though he's paralyzed. What did they do to him? (laughs) And so that's kind of the end of the uh, regression notes. So um, do you have anything you want to throw in here before we kind of start wrapping it up? See, I'm kind of curious if,
0: You know, time doesn't necessarily work in the way that we perceive that it works. And maybe they took these guys one at a time. And within that paralyzing short moment they had, all of this stuff happened because time theoretically stopped as we perceive it.
1: Well, and I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, uh, Charles, Charlie, whatever you want to call him, he claimed to not have nearly as invasive an experience. And then when, you know, Calvin Parker was thrown out of the UFO, the other guy was like standing there on the pier waiting for him. So I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of
0: in a weird way corroborates each other's story, you know? Which one was the the older guy or the younger guy was the one that got had more stuff happen to him.
1: So the younger guy, uh Calvin Parker was the one who uh we just read all the regression about and um Charlie or
0: Charles was the older fellow's name. So I wonder if it's uh, like a lot of people say with ufo alien type stuff that has something to do with dna and they watch specific mm-hmm. dna and if they were following this one guy in particular and they were around theoretically watching him earlier in his life maybe it was a matter of like all right we have this guy almost alone let's take him but we're just going to freeze both of them and just do take the person that we need and the other one he's just going to sit on the wayside maybe they had no intention for him at all they he were just, just specifically so looking after there. the guy yeah, yeah and he, he just happened to be there
1: <laughs> no that makes a lot of sense i didn't think about that but i think that's a really good idea So kind of just some odds and ends to close us out tonight. So later on in 1973, uh, J. Allen Hynek, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners know from uh, Project Blue Book fame, uh, he interviewed Hickson and Parker, and he put them under hypnosis at that time. And uh, allegedly the Pascagoula abduction was one of Hynek's favorite abduction cases, and he even had a personal file on the incident. So in the years after the abduction, uh, Hickson, the older gentleman, gave several interviews and lectures, and he even made some television appearances and like game show appearances. Game shows? What? Yeah, yeah.
0: alien abduction come on
1: down yeah pretty much (laughs) but uh in 1974 he claimed to have an additional alien encounter and um there wasn't a whole lot of information that i turned up in my research about what this situation consisted of but uh in 1983 he wrote a book titled ufo contact at pascagoula and uh Then Charles Hickson, uh, like I said, this was the older of the two gentlemen. He passed away in 2011.
0: And so his story goes with him, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) And then uh, Calvin Parker, the younger of the two, um, he's made several appearances at UFO conferences and whatnot throughout the years. And he also wrote a book, uh, and his was titled Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story. And he also formed a production company called UFO Investigations to, like, produce you know UFO and alien themed documentaries and TV programs. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, throughout the years, there has obviously been a lot of skepticism about this case, and a lot of that is due to supposed discrepancies in Hickson's story, in particular. And throughout the years, he just blatantly refused to take a polygraph test. So this has led a lot of people to think that he kind of was not on the up and up. Uh, But he also um, said, or excuse me, it's also been theorized that uh, Hickson may have embellished an experience that he had while he was in, quote, a waking dream state. And this theory is supported by the fact that at some point in time, Parker said that he had quote passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over. So, um, you know, take that or leave it. You know, there's always skepticism about these sort of cases. Um, you know, regression, there's a lot of different ways people can go with that. Um, but you know, like with all these cases, like we say, take it with a grain of salt, you know, come up with your own ideas, make your own framework. But, um, In 2019, the town of Pascagoula dedicated a historical marker to commemorate the incident, and the marker overlooks the original abduction site. And in 2020, J. Michael Long directed a film about the incident titled Alien Contact the Pascagoula UFO Encounter. So... That's kind of all I got. Uh, just you know, some random odds and ends to end us up with. And we talked about this a little bit, but I think this is a really interesting case. One because it has a lot of hallmarks of typical UFO alien abduction cases, and also it's got some weird little details that fall in line with kind of more, I don't know, cryptid high strangeness type alien cases like uh you know we talked about flatwoods and hopkinsville so i think it's interesting in that regard just like this one ticks a lot of boxes and has a lot of details that you don't see
0: a lot in abduction cases i mean it kind of brings some validity to my idea about the fact that a lot of these things seem to have the same function like the one you just talked about and the peruvian face peelers but yet their image is different and again if you're trying to like hide your species hide your race it would make complete sense to that they would be having the same functions be doing the same things but have different physical appearances especially if the human's perception is that easy to manipulate i mean what why wouldn't you you know you, why you wouldn't want somebody to know exactly what you look like so the best thing you could possibly do is try to each time you come cover it with a different image and then people unless they're doing some deep research aren't necessarily connecting you with this one and this one and this one and this one
1: yeah yeah, I mean, and this gets back to what we talk about all the time about, you know, the phenomenon or whatever's behind it, wearing masks and presenting itself in different ways depending on the situation. You know, if you're in the woods, you see a Bigfoot. If you're in the desert, you see an
0: alien. So, Or if they are government officials, they were literally wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, I guess with that, it's probably about that time that we start uh, wrapping up the show. So, uh, I guess, Oren... yeah, this one's me. I do, I do the review and stuff first. My bad. <laughs> so, if you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Definitely always appreciate it. And if you guys give us five stars and a nice review on iTunes, of course, we'll read on the show and give you guys a big shout out. And uh, if you guys, you know, if you guys are Android users, you guys aren't able to do that. Um, if you guys want some type of review read right on the show or you guys just want to make a comment on the show, just send me a message on Instagram, um, you know, letting us know and say, hey, I want you guys to read this on the show I would love to do that too because I'd love to get some of your guys input put in on the show of course and uh, you can always share any of our stuff with anybody through word of mouth Um, if you don't think somebody's going to listen to full episodes we do have clips and everything up on YouTube and TikTok so those are quick and easy to share and makes it so maybe it'll spark somebody's interest and then they might listen to the full episode
1: and as always reach out to us uh, with your own bizarre encounters or you know any suggestions you have for guests topics on the show Uh, Your own stories for Shane's book he's working on. Just get up with us somehow. And as always, all this shit is listed in the link tree in the show descriptions.
0: And as a little bonus, something that I want to try to put together. Um, If anybody wants to share their encounters uh, through audio or even if they want me to read it out loud, uh, I want to do some random episodes where essentially what it is, is just a bunch of you guys, the listeners, sharing your bizarre encounters and I can collaborate them all together. So if you guys, you know, you guys have like a two-minute story, a five-minute story, a 20-minute story, whatever it is, any amount of time. Uh, if you guys don't want, don't mind sending them to me in some way, shape, or form, I would love to do a special bonus episode at some point where it's basically just a bunch of your guys' stories all collabed into one thing and then we can make comments on them and tell, us, tell you guys what we think about him. Just an idea. <laughs> if Oren is also into that, that is. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, with that, I have been the one, the only Shane Squatch. I've been Orn. Damn it. You didn't use the name again. <laughs> I, I was leading you up. UF <laughs> Orin. UF There you go. <laughs> and to all the listeners out there. I just missed it. It's okay. And to all the listeners out there. I gotta tell you, every single show, because I'm sure there's some of you guys that forget, there's some of you guys that always remember, and you guys live by this. Because I know that we both live by this over here as far as Bizarre Encounters go. But guys, don't forget to always, always, stay bizarre, my friends. Bizarre. 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 Ask a... Oop!